Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the season finale of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we break down the Chiefs' crushing overtime loss in the AFC Championship game to the Cincinnati Bengals, while also hearing the final thoughts of the season from Patrick Mahomes, Tyran Matthew, and Andy Reid. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the AFC Championship loss to the Bengals? Yeah, so, I mean, there's obviously a number of things that stood out. It'd probably actually be easier to list, um, you know, all the things that didn't stand out. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just go through a couple here. Uh, 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 yeah. Um, I think, one, we've discovered a little something about Patrick Mahomes uh, in this game. And I think we've discovered it a little throughout the season, too, but... Uh, run-pass options are really not always his strong suit. And, um, I mean, I looked to two of the key plays in this game. The end-of-half uh, pass to, to Tyreek Hill uh, when, when time expired and they got no points. And uh, the regulation interception to uh, B.J. Hill. The, those plays uh, were both run-pass options. Um, the in my opinion, I mean, they were run pass options that Mahomes, he should have handed them off. Now, the first one, the, the end of regulation, uh, that one, I mean, it, it it was just a bad play call in general. Uh, you don't call an RPO with five seconds left and no timeouts because you can't really in good conscience hand the ball off. But had Mahomes done it, it would have been a walk-in touchdown for, for Jarek McKinnon. Uh, if you look at the the, the back angle um, in the coach's film, yeah, it, it was just walk-in touchdown. Would have been a thing of beauty. But um, then with the interception, I mean... That might have been – I know there's that really ugly interception earlier in the season, but I think that might have been the worst interception we've seen Mahomes throw because, you know, there there just wasn't – it didn't look like there was any open receiver, anything designed where he was trying to, to throw it there. He, he was just trying to get rid of the ball, and, you know, defensive lineman just made a hell of a play, popped the ball up, catches it. But – in that situation, at least if you hand the ball off there, like you live to fight another down. And, and I think he should have, you know, been able to get that read uh, pre-snap to know that, hey, I got to hand this this ball off. Um, you know, and Mahomes used the word greedy to describe the, the end of half situation. But, I mean... Really, if you give him this option to call his own number, he's going to call it, right? He believes in himself and that he can make any play and do anything. And that's sort of really been true throughout his career, right? He's 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 made these amazing plays, these incredible plays. And 
Uh, when you put the ball in his hands, good things happen a lot, a lot of the time. But it, that type of mindset was really his downfall in this game. Because had he, you know, just handed it off a couple more times on some of these, these run-pass option plays, I feel like, uh, you know, would have put this team in a better position to, to win the game. Certainly in the, the you know, issue with the, the interception there, had they ran the ball, maybe you get two, three yards, whatever, but you don't throw an interception, you don't give them the ball back. So, and then... You know, I mean, I, I think if you're the coaching staff in Kansas City, you have to recognize when this stuff is happening and, and you have to protect your quarterback. You have to take the ball out of his hands sometimes and do it with, with you know, designed running plays. And look, it's admittedly hard to do when you have an all-world quarterback, when you have a guy who, who makes magic happen. But, you know, you call the design run instead of the RPO and you give him one less thing to worry about. Right, he he he's struggling with decision making already with all these defensive coordinators, you know, digging deep into their bag of tricks and throwing everything imaginable at him. Um, I I think you have to do something more to to limit you know the the load on him uh, during the course of the game. Uh, give him some some you know some easier stuff so he doesn't have to rely on that decision making so frequently so he can kind of you know. Uh, uh, not necessarily dumb it down, but just uh, you know, make things a little bit easier for your for your star quarterback, for your franchise quarterback. So, I mean, I think that the there's also you know obviously some stuff on the defensive side of the ball. It's not all on Mahomes, right? I think um, the the big weakness on the defensive side of the ball was also really exposed in this game, and that's the defensive line. I mean, they hardly got any edge pressure against the offensive line that gave up, like, nine sacks and 11 pressures the week prior. Um, it's just, um, you know, they're they're lacking athleticism at the edge, and that's something we knew. Like, like we knew that was going to happen uh, this season. They, they didn't have, you know, they drafted the kid uh, in the fourth round out of Florida State, he's probably their most athletic edge rusher. Um, maybe Mike Dana. But, I mean, these guys aren't on the field all the time. You, you're going to have Frank Clark out there. You're going to have Alex Okafor out there. You're going to have Melvin Ingram out there. Uh, maybe Melvin Ingram. I mean, he's another guy who could be up there with the, the most athletic edge guys they have. But, um, you know, they're lacking this this uh, elite athleticism at those positions. And uh, that was apparent at times when they had – Joe Burrow just dead to rights, but Burrow just, you know, was able to get free on the sack, and, and they couldn't bring him down. Um, and, and beyond the defense, I mean, on the coaching front, I I left the game really disappointed with uh, the lack of in-game adjustments and self-awareness, uh, especially in the second half. Um, again, I know you have this all-world quarterback, but they were averaging... Uh, 5.8 yards per clip. It didn't matter who was in the game either. You know, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Lair, they were having success running the ball. Um, So, you know, if they want to throw, if they want to put Mahomes in the position where he can exceed, run the ball to set up a pass. They dropped eight defenders into coverage multiple times, uh, sometimes one operating kind of as the pseudo-spy so Mahomes couldn't scramble, but... They do that on multiple occasions, and the coaching staff didn't do anything to try to force them out of that. They just kept throwing the ball, 
you know, saying, hey, Mahomes, get us out of this. And, you know, it just wasn't uh, – they need to have someone who has the self-awareness and to see what's going on and and tell Coach, tell Andy, hey, you know, we got to run the ball here. Um, And and that's what's frustrating to me because you got a former running back as your offensive coordinator – You've got all these brilliant offensive minds uh, in, in, you know, in the huddle there, and you know, no one's really recognizing. Hey, we can, we can force this defense to do some other things if we adjust our approach. So, look, there are probably a dozen other things I could say too, but I, I will leave it at that. I was, uh, I was disappointed with the coaching. I, I thought that big weakness was revealed on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I, I feel like there was maybe just a little too much on Patrick Mahomes' plate in the second half, too many decisions that, that they were forcing uh, him to make in-game uh, when they really needed to kind of limit that stuff and, you know, make his reads a little bit easier for him uh, and, you know, just run, run the ball a little bit more to, to maybe find some more success against those defensive looks that, that the Bengals were, were showing. Do you believe it was a mistake to not kick the field goal to end the half? I mean, in hindsight, it absolutely was a mistake. But I also think they, they could have had a chance at the field goal even after that last play there had Mahomes simply thrown the ball away. Um, you know, I like going for the touchdown there because if you get seven, the game is probably out of reach for the Bengals. So, I mean, what baffles me the most about the whole situation there is – this is coming a week after the most impressive execution of an end-of-game situation we've perhaps ever seen uh, in a postseason game in NFL history, the 13 seconds, right? Um, and, and, you know, the coaching staff comes out and just absolutely lays an egg when it comes to situational play this week. Um, it, it just it, it blows my mind how they can go from, you know, uh, praising their preparation and being prepared for those moments. And then when those moments come, those defining moments come this next week, they're just completely and totally listless and, and look like the blind leading the blind. It was just, it was bad. The play that Andy called with five seconds remaining, it, it was all sorts wrong. Uh, it, just even having Tyreek Hill running a, a route in the flat where he wasn't in the end zone, uh, there should have been no routes on that play where players weren't in the end zone because if there's nothing there, Patrick needs to just throw it away. The fact that they gave him an option where he wasn't in the end zone, that doomed the play from, from the get-go. But as I mentioned earlier, the play was – it looked like an RPO. I mean, I guess it could have been like hard play action. I don't think it was. I think it was an RPO. Um, and you can't call that with – with no timeouts and like five seconds left. I, unless you're thinking, hey, the defense is defending the pass all the way here. You can just walk in and score, in which case Mahomes needs to hand the ball off. Ironically, that's exactly what should have happened uh, is Mahomes handing the ball off, touchdown. But just how long it took everything to develop um, and, and how Mahomes read the field on the play, it just is confounding. Uh, the, the call was just not good. I mean, you, he looked at Kelsey for a beat, but he, he came off of him before he was even out of his break. If he had held on Kelsey for about mm, like 
1.1 more seconds, he would have seen him come out of his break and come free. If he led that ball for Kelsey, that would have been a touchdown throw too. So I... And, you know, he immediately looks to Hill, which, I mean, that's to be expected, right? You know, you look to your two best guys, Kelsey Hill, boom. <laughs> like, like that's to be expected for the quarterback. But he immediately looks to Hill uh, in the flat who, I mean, you can see the defender coming across the field and just ready to, to lay the boom down on Hill. So, look, in that scenario, Mahomes even said it after the game that he needed to look at the you know the the route in the middle of the field and either throw it to that or throw it away and he got greedy thinking he could do it all and and it ultimately cost the team um so i think that's one that that mahomes is gonna really have to kind of you know look at himself in the mirror on that one uh because i really think that that play um i i think that it was the right call to go for seven i think the play was not the greatest but I think that Mahomes could have done more there to ensure that they had another chance, an opportunity to kick the field goal, and he just he just kind of dropped the ball. Does this loss hurt Patrick Mahomes' legacy? You know, it's hard to say in the long run uh, because we just don't know, you know, what things will look like 10 to 12 years down the line, right? I mean, uh, if the Chiefs just keep having success, go back to more Super Bowls, win a couple more, I, I don't think – I think this one bounces right off of them. But, I mean, it's just weird because we've never seen a scenario like this where Patrick Mahomes has been the one who really – I mean, he held this team back in the second half. There's no denying that. I mean, he's been everything they ever needed every step of the way – and in exactly one play, one half, and an overtime period of football, he wasn't. And, and uh, I mean, there are other things that, that hurt them and cost them in this game. But I feel like ultimately the, the fact that Mahomes wasn't the Mahomes we knew in that second half, I think that was a big problem. I, I think the big thing that we'll be looking back on here is that the AFC is only going to get better and uh, it's only going to get tougher for the Chiefs to stay competitive in it. So, I mean, a few years down the line, we could be looking back at this one saying, wow, I mean, things really set up perfectly for, for Kansas City to make another run, and they blew it. Um, now, that's like I said, that's not all on Mahomes, but he shares a lot of blame, and you know he's going to have to wear that and challenge himself to get better moving forward. Um, and I think another big thing, you know, the fact that that he had such a part in, in that kind of collapse, I mean, what's that going to do in free agency this year? I mean, a lot of guys were probably thinking, wow, this team, you know, four years in a row, AFC championship game. You know, I, I just wonder if free agents are going to look at that and, and look at the end of that game there and say, well, I don't know, is this a place that I can go and I can win? I mean, is this a place I can go and win a ring? Are, are they going to get back there? I, I mean, I think those questions are going to like start creeping in for some of these guys uh, when they're they're making decisions. And, you know, like I said, the AFC is only getting better. If, if they have a chance to go and make more money playing with, um, you know, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or, uh, you know, one of these other young impressive quarterbacks in the AFC, um, Josh Allen with the Bills. I mean, it, they're, they're going to have options. It's not like the, the Chiefs are going to be the only team out here, uh, you know, who have a shot. So I, I think that that 
this game will have an impact. I don't know how, how much it will impact his legacy. Um, I, I think it will, you know, uh, be something, though, that can really help him get better moving forward if he approaches it the right way. So we'll, we'll just see what, what comes of it. In your opinion, which notable players won't be back in a Chiefs uniform next season? Well, I think we've seen our last of uh, Frank Clark and Anthony Hitchens. Both uh, have out years in their contracts where, you know, if you're the Chiefs, you can save a lot of money uh, if you release or these players outright or designate them uh, as a post-June 1st cut. So I, I expect those for, for both Clark and Hitchens. You know, really the only player I'm absolutely certain will return right now is Orlando Brown Jr. Um They've simply invested too much in him to let him walk in free agency. Obviously, the, the trade with the Baltimore Ravens um, last last season, and then you know having him transition to left tackle this year, and you know he did a pretty good job. Uh, was he perfect? No. Was he uh, you know better than the average left tackle? I think that's that's absolutely um, something that you could say. I, I think, uh, you know, going forward, he has a lot to work on and improve as well. But uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting really to see how quickly they can get a deal done because, you know, in terms of free agency, at least from his agent's standpoint, I, I don't know that I'd want to be the first person to sign a deal, a long-term deal, unless you're certain you're not leaving money on the table. Um, I think that, you know, uh, the team will probably franchise tag him initially and then get a long-term deal done from from there before the deadline to do that. But, I mean, I, if I'm Kansas City, I'm trying to get it done as quickly as possible because the longer Brown's on the tag, the longer it hinders your ability to add impact players this offseason. So I think that, that you want to get that done soon and – I just don't know how uh, amicable that, you know, um, Brown's people will be to doing something like that. Um, beyond that, um, you know, I uh, I feel like, you know, we're going to see a few guys signed to smaller deals. Uh, guys like Byron Pringle, Andrew Wiley, Blake Bell, Michael Burton, maybe Daryl Williams or Jarek McKinnon. Just a couple guys off the top of my head. Um, as for Tyron Matthew, Melvin Ingram, and Jaron Reed, I think there are situations where the Chiefs could bring any of those three players back, but I think it's largely going to be on those players. If they want to return, there will be an opportunity to. It might not be right when free agency opens up, right? I, I think Veach wants to get an idea of what the market is because he doesn't want to go out and sign these guys to you know, long-term deals or, or a big deal if the market it not there for, for them to earn that, right? Um, you know, and some guys like Tyron Matthew, they get this, and Jaron Reed even, they get the sense that they're not going to be back next season, that, that this is it for them. And, um, you know, that that's a shame. I, I, you know, I think that, that Matthew wants to be back here, and I think that there's a way to get him back here, but I, I just don't know that, that that he'll be patient enough to to wait for that opportunity uh, in free agency, and I don't know that you know he won't have better offers from from somewhere else. I think he probably will, and 
um, he, you know, it's a business. He might be wise to take those offers instead of staying in Kansas City. Um, of those three, I think probably Ingram is the most likely to resign. Um, it, we'll just see. We'll see, though. Uh, I know that, you know, Brett Veach had some optimism that that it would kind of play out as it did last season and that maybe he wouldn't sign until later in the free agency period. So we'll, we'll see there. And then, you know, Charverius Ward, he's going to be an interesting one. I, I think they'd really like to have him back, but it he might have played his way out of their budget uh, in terms of re-signing him. Just with all the other needs they're going to have this offseason and to address in free agency, I'm not sure you can afford to to go out and pay him, you know, cornerback one money, which I think he's earned this past year. I mean, he had a really good year this past season, uh, didn't allow a lot into his coverage and, you know, had some really nice performances against some of the, the best of the best in the league. So I anticipate that he, he gets a lot of money in free agency this off season and probably not going to come from Kansas city, but you never know there. There's sometimes, you know, things happen, markets change, uh, opportunities arise for for these players to come back. So we will just see. Uh, you know, it's a long off season. We'll see what happens there. Um, but but yeah, Orlando Brown Jr. is the only one that I am certain will be back. Who is more likely to return, Steve Spagnolo or Eric Bieniemy? You know, I really don't see either of them leaving. Um, I don't think that Andy Reid would, would move on from Steve Spagnuolo out of his own volition. I know there have been calls for him to do so, um, but I, you know Andy's loyal, and I don't think it's—I don't think in this situation it's to a fault. Um, I, I think that you know Spags, yeah, hasn't really had a whole lot of um, investment in some of the key positions on the defensive side of the ball. He's done. Uh, really, he's done tremendous work with what he's had. I mean, you look at the lack of investment in the cornerback position. I mean, they you know they paid Frank Clark big money, but he really wasn't what he what they had hoped he could be, um, and, and what fans hoped he could be. And you know, really outside of that, they haven't made these big investments uh, through the draft and getting young talent. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, really. You know, the linebacker position is the only spot that they have done that. And, you know, we're seeing the rewards of that in Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton. Um, so I, I would just say that, you know, um, he's he's done a good job with what he's had to work with. And, you know, maybe Spags decides to retire again or maybe Clark Hunt forces the issue and sees it differently. But but I just don't see it happening, especially after the turnaround they had, you know, kind of midseason this year. They, they were not a good defense early on, and they really hit their stride. I mean, they had this spree of games, you know, at home where they were allowing, you know, less than 10 points. And, um, you know, I, I know that total defense and whatever, the end-of-year stats weren't as great as they could be, but um, I, I think that they'll probably keep Spags around uh you know, save for something coming out of left field. Uh, as for Eric Bieniemy, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him get a kid coaching job. I think we all would at this point. I'm just not sure that it happens now uh, with the Brian Flores lawsuit. I mean, they have a whole section about Eric Bieniemy and how he's deserving of a head coaching job in the lawsuit, and I don't think that helps him. Uh, unfortunately, I, I you know, I, I mean, it's important. Um, 
as possible that he does get a, a head coaching job. There's still some out there uh, available. I just I'm not sure I see it happening. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean he'll be back in Kansas City. Uh, I mean that this job seemingly is doing him no favors if he's trying to land a head coaching gig. So you know maybe he finds an opportunity elsewhere. But uh, I, I think if he wants to stay in Kansas City, he will have the opportunity to do so. I do think the Chiefs are most likely to lose some non-coordinator assistants, uh, like quarterback coach, passing game analyst Mike Kafka, who is a finalist for the New York Giants offensive coordinator job. He's actually interviewed for it on Wednesday. So by the time you listen to this, it's possible that he's already been hired. I don't know. (laughs) But I also wouldn't be surprised to see some other assistants picked off for promotions as uh, new coaching staffs are formed around the league. So just it's something we'll have to keep an eye out for the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, uh, the Chiefs should have some additions, too. But, um, yeah, I don't see any of the coordinators really leaving outside of, uh, you know, something strange happening. What is your final opinion on the entire 2021 season? Well, I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be grateful for, right? Um, you know, getting back to the AFC title game in and of itself is a tremendous feat for this franchise. Um, you know, especially after the early season struggles, everyone really counted this team out. And, uh, you know, they, they really took, took that challenge and they stepped up. They made it happen. And, uh, you know, you have to remember, I mean, prior to Patrick Mahomes, this team went to one conference championship game in 1993. Uh, you know, before that, you have to go back to the 1970s to the last time, uh, you know, they, they were in a conference championship game. And, you know, even though we're not playing in Super Bowl 56, I still feel spoiled. I mean, this is the team that I and many others always dreamed we'd have. You know, they always have a shot because they have the quarterback to do it. They have the coach to do it. Um, And, and, you know, even when people counted them out this year, they ended up having a shot. Uh, And that's all you can ask for, really, I think, um, is to to be in it, to be in that competition down to the very end. So, I mean, I think looking ahead even to 22 and beyond, the future is bright for this team, but things aren't always going to be this easy right things are are not going to get any easier um the afc is just loaded with talent at the quarterback position and uh you know elsewhere too defensive side of the ball they they got a lot of talent uh in this conference and the margin for error is going to just get smaller and smaller and smaller for kansas city moving forward so i think you know that that's going to be a challenge for for the the people uh you know in, in the thick of it, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the front office staff to get things right in free agency and build through the draft. You know, they absolutely need to keep having drafts like they did in 2021. Under no circumstance can they strike out like they did in 2018. If you have another draft like that, I mean, that's going to cost you um, big time. So they need to add, uh, you know, talent at key positions. Um, moving forward, lots of lots more talent. They need to develop some of the talent they have too. I mean, you know, you look at some of the guys who who didn't really contribute a whole lot this season. You know, what what's uh, what's going to become of Joshua Kando next year? What's going to become of um, you know Cornell Powell? Can those guys step up and be you know a bigger part of it in uh, in twenty twenty two? 
Uh, and then there's going to be a lot of pressure on the players and the coaching staff as well. I mean, they have to up the ante uh, because 2021, it wasn't good enough. Uh, there's no other way to dice it. You know, if you're not winning a Super Bowl for this team, it's not it's not good enough. Uh, that's the standard they've set for themselves. And, you know, they've got some problems to fix and things to work on this offseason. And I'm certain that they're already hard at work at figuring out what they could have done better uh, in this Super Bowl, uh, excuse me, in this uh, AFC title game uh, to get them to the Super Bowl. So uh, lots of work to do, and it'll be fun to watch it unfold this offseason. And as always, Charles, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so uh, we've got a look into the Chiefs salary cap situation coming out later this morning. Um, we're going to have a lot of, of content coming up for the East-West Shrine game, the Senior Bowl. Um Plenty of pre-draft, pre-free agency content on the way, too. I mean, we're shifting gears 100% into off-season mode. So, you know, you can look be on the lookout for a lot of our um, annual uh, content that we put out, our rookie season reviews, um, and so on and so forth. Um, obviously, we still have some stuff up and around, uh, kind of recapping the, the AFC title game loss, as uh, heartbreaking as it is. Uh, but yeah, we're we're shifting focus, shifting gears to uh, off season mode, and we're we're excited for it here at Chiefs Wire. And we thank you guys so much for supporting us all the way this season. We uh, we couldn't couldn't do it without you. Weekly, week in, week out, listening to the podcast, uh, checking out the website, reading everything we put out. Uh, we appreciate it. Everyone here at Chiefs Wire, Gannett USA Today, we uh, we appreciate that so much. And uh, we hope you'll continue to ride with us this offseason. Uh, well, I'm going to give you one final one for, for the end of the season here, Ed. Go Chiefs! I appreciate um you know, our, our front office for the efforts that they gave this year and the coaches and the players, um, takes everybody, you know, to get this far. Uh, there's one, there's one happy team at the end of the year and that's the team that wins it all. So we we're hoping to bring that back again to Kansas City, but, um, it didn't, didn't work our, our way there. So, but I appreciate our fans for sticking with us. There were some tough times early in the season and they just bared down and, and got better along with the football team. And I sure appreciate that. Um, we did some good things throughout the year. Um, obviously to get to this, this point, uh, that we got to, um, there were, there were some real, uh, productive days on the field and, um, you know, but again, just not, not enough in, in this particular game against Cincinnati. I, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, they were the better better team yesterday uh, as it all worked out. So um, obviously our second half wasn't, wasn't good enough. Uh, we'll take it as a team. I take responsibility for that. Um, I, I heard some of the comments the guys made yesterday and, you know, as the head football coach, as I mentioned yesterday after the game, that it's my responsibility that we, we do better. We, we didn't do that. So um you know, we'll get, we'll spend the off season here, um, getting things, uh, worked out and whether it's the 
schemes or whether it's, uh, um, you know, the roster, you know, whatever it might be, uh, we'll hit that evaluation period here coming up now. And I know Brett Veach stays on top of, of his game with that and, um, is aware of all the different things that take place in an off season with free agency with your own team and in the field and in the draft. So, um, you know, again, right now things, <laughs> things don't seem, uh, uh, great because of the loss, but I think the future here is, is still bright. And so, uh, we look forward to, uh, moving on to, you know, the 2022 season and, and getting ourselves, uh, built back up after we take a, a step back here. Anyways, with that, time's yours. Well, first to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Andy. Um, thanks for everything this season, by the way. Um, no, thanks, Adam. Um, wanted to, um, ask you a couple things. First of all, I understand that the line between winning and losing is very thin and one, one or two plays different yesterday and you're preparing for the Super Bowl. I get all that. But having said that, um, you guys, uh, aren't moving on to the Super Bowl this year. Do you feel like there was anything missing from this year's team that maybe you had the last couple of years, whatever that might be? And Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Yeah, you know what, Adam? I, I thought we really stood a, a good chance. I mean, we started off like gangbusters and, um, even in this game and, you know, we just let it get away from us. So, and I take responsibility for that part, Adam. So, I, yeah, you can always, as, as a play caller, you, you go back and you evaluate things. And so, um, you, you look at, are you putting your guys in the best position possible? I know Spags, EB, Dave Tove, they all go through that. And, uh, you want to make sure that you give your guys the best opportunity. So, um, you know, you, there, there's, <laughs> there's no time like now, uh, that you, you question every, every call and every play. So, um, and if you're not hard on yourself about it, then you're not going to, uh, get better. And that's as a player and a coach. And so, you know, we, we know there are certain spots we, we've got to do a better job. And, uh, and it starts obviously with me being the head coach. Patrick, can you take us through that last play of the first half? Uh, what, what happened there? What you were thinking? And Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Yeah, we had just we had just ran a play. Uh, it took four seconds to play before um, where I burned it, so I knew that the time um, was low. Obviously, I knew we needed to get points. Uh, we called a play that we were trying to get someone over the middle quick, um, and then I was probably I was supposed to throw the ball away. Uh, I got greedy. I got a little greedy there and tried to give the Tyreek and get a touchdown. They had two people out there. Um, so, uh, definitely, I mean, in the long run of things, uh, it looks bad, but, uh, if we had another chance, I would have went for another play again. Okay. And, uh, the Super Bowl has been the standard around here now, obviously. How are you going to look back on this season when, when you have time to reflect on it? I mean, you take away the good things, uh, just like any season. Um, it's definitely disappointing. I mean, here, um, with this group of guys that we have, we expect to, to be in that game and, and to, to win that game. And anything less than that is is not success. Um, so we'll, we'll go back. We'll look at all the things we did well, the adversity we battled through, the better the team that we became towards the end of the season, um, and try to learn and try to learn from the mistakes that we made and try to be better next year. Thanks to Herbie Tiope. Go Herbie. Patrick, you mentioned some of the mistakes you're trying to learn from. What do you think went behind some of the struggles in that second half, especially coming off that first half where they often seem to be clicking on all cylinders? There's a few, just a few misreads here and there. There was guys that were open, um, and I, I didn't hit at the right time or 
I didn't, I didn't, I, I passed up on something shorter that I went for something. I wanted to get something deeper down the field. Um, and when you're playing a good team and you don't hit what's there and you, and you try to get, try to get a little bit more than what's, what's necessary, uh, you, you, it kind of bites you in the, bites you in the butt, I guess you would say. I mean, it, it's something that, uh, uh, we were playing so well in the first half and the second half, uh, we were just off a tick and that's all it takes to lose a football game. Next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Patrick, all these guys look at you as the leader of this team. I was wondering if you could kind of share your, your message to, to this team and, and, and what you said uh, after, after uh, the game in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, I said I'm proud of those guys. I mean, if you looked at the season that we had to be in this game in general, um, it's definitely, it's definitely a special group of guys that battle through adversity. Um, but <clears throat> the leaders on this team know that this isn't, this isn't our standard. We want to win the Super Bowl. Whenever you taste that, that winning the Super Bowl, nothing less than that is success. And so, uh, we have to go back. Uh, obviously, every locker room is different. Um, but, uh, we have the core group of guys that it, that it takes to win. So we have to go back, learn from this and try to be better next year. Hey, Tyron, um, can you give us a sense for what the locker room's like right now and if you had any conversations with people just as being as one of the leaders in that room? I mean, obviously, you know, um, deflated, uh, you know, be a good word to describe it. Um, you know, um, obviously it's been a blessing. You know, I've been in this league nine years and, you know, uh, you know, not all the time do you have a chance to play for championships and, you know, play for Super Bowls, you know, to hang banners you know, to, to, to make the city proud. And, you know, obviously we, you know, fell short today, but, um, you know, it's a lot of good to, to look back on. Um, you know, we won a lot of football games. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the last two losses, you know, that we've had in the playoffs, um, you know, it hasn't really been our standard, you know, and, um, but I'm proud, you know, of, of, of the way we continue to fight, you know, throughout the season. Um, you know, I'm proud of the way we stuck together. I'm proud of our coaches, you know, in the way that they continue to, you know, take bullets for us. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's a lot of good, you know, to, to, to think about. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm grateful, you know, for the opportunity, but, um, I think anytime you come up short, um, and you know you could be better, you know, it's, it's obviously deflating, you know. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Tyron. Um, I know you weren't involved with pass rush much, but um, I was wondering about Joe Burrow. I mean, you guys have played against him twice now. Um, he's been kind of a – he's not a real mobile guy, but a little bit elusive. Is he more difficult to uh, to bring down than maybe you would think? Well, I think he's a smart quarterback, um, you know, and I think obviously, you know, um, he's not geared to run around. He's not geared to, you know, get 60, 70 rushing yards a game. Um, but I think, he, you know, he's a smart player. He's a smart quarterback. And I think, you know, within certain schemes or certain coverages, um, you know, there is a window, you know, for the quarterback to run the ball. And, um, you know, hats off to him. Obviously, this kid studies a lot of tape and, you know, he has the instincts to go with it as well. And, you know, uh, he made a couple, you know, third down, you know, scrambles today that, you know, kind of lifted their team, you know. And I think for us, you know, anytime you can get off the field when it's third and six, third and seven, you know, third and long, um, you just got to you gotta dig deep and, and, and try your best to, to just get off the field. But, you know, uh, just felt like those guys made a little bit more plays, you know, than us today. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Good, Pete. 
Aaron, I, I apologize for how abrupt this question comes, but uh, we're not sure when we'll, we'll get you again. Just how eager are you to just remain with the Kansas City Chiefs? I know we haven't talked about that in a while, but just uh, continuing your time here in Kansas City. I mean, I you know, I hope so. You know, um, you know, ever since I came here, you know, I've just tried to be the right kind of teammate. Um, you know, I've tried to play my part, and, you know, uh, obviously – you know, it's always that feeling that, you know, you can make more plays for your team, but um, I'm hoping it works out. Um, you know, I don't have any control over that. Um, you know, I feel like everything that was in my control, you know, uh, I tried my best to, to handle it and, and and to do it with a smile. So um, I love this team. I love this locker room. You know, it's a lot of coaches that I have great relationships with. And so I'm hoping, yeah. Chiefs Kingdom, thank you for listening all season to the Chiefs Wire podcast. We'll be back next year. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Take care.